Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From NewSounds.org and the studios of WNYC in New York, this is Soundcheck, our series of live performances and interviews. I'm John Schaefer. Over the last few years, Carlos Simon has become one of classical music's most eloquent and visible chroniclers of the black American experience. Although it's not just classical music, Carlos draws on jazz, R&B, and especially gospel music. He's composer-in-residence at the Kennedy Center, and his 2022 LP called Requiem for the Enslaved was nominated for a Grammy. Now, he's released two recordings in quick succession. First, Breadth, an orchestral response to the killing of George Floyd, and then just one week later, Together, a collection that features Carlos Simon performing some solo piano works and a few small ensemble pieces. Carlos is at our piano today, and with him for this first piece is the cellist Seth Parker Woods, and this first piece is Carlos's arrangement of Amazing Grace. Thank you. 
That's Amazing Grace, as arranged by Carlos Simon at our piano with Seth Parker Woods playing the cello. And Carlos, on the record, uh, the version that's on the album is Randall Goosby playing the violin, right? That's correct. Correct. The amazing violinist, good yeah. friend. Uh, although Seth is also on the record. Yeah, he's also on the record as well playing uh, Between Worlds. It's a solo cello piece. Right, right. Now, the interesting one of the interesting things about this record together is that we get to hear you not just as a composer but as a performer as well. That's correct. Yeah, and I'm also conducting it on the on the album too. This is a string orchestra piece that I conduct, but you know, I wanted to bring my total self to uh-huh. this project, you know, and uh, many people know me as a composer, but before I was a composer, I was also a keyboardist and pianist and and playing my father's church and and you know, as a composer, you kind of put the performance side down. You know, some composers do, and right. I, I certainly did that, and I've done that. But I, I miss performing in front of an audience and, and working with p- performers and in in live time. You know, right. So this album, it almost feels like a kind of musical biography of sorts. I mean, this is not the only piece on on the record that has its roots in the church. There's there's also like musical favorite. There's a, a Sade song that you arrange and mm-hmm. some of your own original pieces. So, you know, was it as you just said, kind of like us giving us the whole picture of you? Yeah, exactly. It's 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 that's my favorite, you know, favorite songs I've arranged, but also music that I've written myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the people, even the people that I've asked to be on this album, I think really show who I am as a person, as a musician. You know, many of the artists, you know, grew up in church or grew up in the South or have some similar interests of mine, and we connect on those interests alone, and that comes through the music in some kind of way. So uh, your journey from the church to being a composer out in the more or less secular world is is a pretty interesting one. I know we've talked a little bit about this before elsewhere, but your your father is a pastor, right? Correct. And the thinking was, at least on his part, that you too would grow up to be a pastor, right? I'm sure there's some ulterior motives there, but <laughs> you know, he has always hinted at me being a preacher. Um, you know, come from a very long line of preachers. Of course, that's natural for you know for me to be a part of the family business, if mm-hmm. you will. <laughs> um, but you know, I always tell him music is my pulpit, and I use music as a platform for for um, helping people, which is what he does, essentially. Uh, and how, how did that journey happen for you? How did you, how did you go from playing in the church to learning composition to, to learning how to play your own compositions? Yeah, it really started when you know, I was learning music theory and um, learning the technical, um, the, the, the classical training, if you will, and, um, and even learning you know, classical piano and learning the rap, you know, Bach, and Beethoven, and it really came with my teachers, my theory teacher and my piano teacher, they noticed that I was adding stuff that wasn't necessarily in the score. And, uh-huh. I, and then my theory teacher, you know, he would sign part writing exercises and I would do extra things that wasn't necessarily in the assignment. And so they encouraged me to pursue composition, mm-hmm. you know, because I was adding stuff in, into the Bach minuets and, and the preludes that wasn't necessarily in the score. Yeah. Um, but it worked. <laughs> 
Well, now, how big a role does improvisation play? I mean, if you're in the church, you're expected to be moved by the Spirit, to be in the moment. We don't necessarily expect that from a pianist up on stage at Carnegie Hall, for example. So, you know, what role, if any, does improvisation play these days in your music? Oh, it's, it's absolutely essential. I, you know, I start at the piano improvising with every piece that I write, you know, and something about just the cutting off the analytical side that we, I really connect with, uh, and, and it allows me to tap into the raw emotion of what I'm trying to say uh, in the music, you know, when, I'm, when I improvise. Right. Now, once you've written it, though, so, mm-hmm. for example, Memory of Summer, which is the piece you're going to play next, right. is this going to be the same piece that's on the record, or, or is it like the Bach Minuet, where there are little things that happen that aren't necessarily in the score? It'll be different. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And in fact, the, the Amazing Grace we just played, is, it's different from what, what's on the album. So, it's, you know, you can't step into the same river the, the same way. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Carlos Simon is at our piano. Let's, uh, let's hear this live performance of Memory of Summer. You'll find it on his album called Together, but here he is live in the studio. Thank you. 
Memory of Summer. That's a live performance by Carlos Simon. You'll find that on one of his two new records, the album called Together. Uh, the other record is called Breadth. And, you know, Carlos, you, you must have run across this kind of fear that a lot of people have of contemporary classical music because it's like, you know, there's no melody, there's nothing I can sing along. Much of your music is highly melodic, and it, it seems to be made that way possibly because you're just, that's who you are as a composer, but it also it seems like accessibility uh, for the listener is important for you. Yeah, well, you know, I, I didn't grow up, you know, listening to, you know, classical music, per se. You know, I grew mm -hmm. up, in fact, we couldn't, the only thing we could listen to is gospel music in my family for a long time, and we could probably, you know, sneak with some jazz, you know, <laughs> but... Um, in, in, in going back to my upbringing in, in church, you know, most of the songs were for the congregation, and this is music for the community. You know, think of the hymns, which, you know, hymns are for people who, for to sing together, and um, so that's very much a part of who I am and the music that I like. I, I enjoy listening to music that, um, yes, can be accessible to, to a wider audience, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but that's just that's how I consume music. That's how I grew up, you know, and, and, and it's a part of who I am as a composer. And, and if you're delivering not just absolute, pure, abstract music, but a message as well, it makes it easier to get that message if there's something kind of melodic, rhythmic to hang on to. And I'm thinking now of Breadth, the other record, your response to the killing of George Floyd. That's a big piece. Give us this day respect for the breadth of the ask. Choir, narrator, full orchestra, very different kind of sonically from together, but, but kind of emotionally and directly connected, it seems. Sure, and I mean, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to write this piece, because um, I wanted to, and Bamuthi, uh, Mark Bamuthi Joseph and I, the librettist, he, mm -hmm. he um, you know, we, we came together and said, we want this to be for something that if George Floyd were here, he could understand and, and appreciate this music. Um, and it, we actually spent a lot of time with, you know, folks from his community, uh -huh. You know, before we even wrote a note, you know, we spent. So you went to the Twin we, Cities. Yes, many, many times over two years, and uh, this was part of the process. And mm -hmm. we wanted to create something for them, you know. And so, yes, we have this ensemble, um, this this orchestra, this, this choir, um, and they're certainly known for playing music of of you know, the concert hall with Beethoven, the Bach, uh, but you know. We wanted to use the, 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 this ensemble in the way that they could receive it. Right. Um, it's a five-movement piece, one movement of which will be familiar to your fans simply because the elegy sure. is, is a kind of a repurposed earlier work of yours, right? Correct. You know, I wrote it in, in 2014. Mm -hmm. um, I think it might have been the first piece of yours I ever heard, actually. Yeah, I wrote it for Trayvon Martin. And um, I mean, at that time, I was I was living in Michigan, and I remember just seeing the protests happening, 
um, then, and I was, you know, hey, this could happen to me. Yeah. And I, you know, I went to music. I used music as, as a sense of therapy and trying to understand it all, you know, because there was so many feelings of anger, uh, confusion, fear even. And, you know, I wrote Elegy as a string quartet. And so when got this commission, it made sense for me to put this piece in, in within this larger work because you know Trayvon Martin is a, very much a part of the 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 names and many names that have had been added yearly yeah. um, to to this you know police and police brutality. Right. So the, when when you say say their names, that list gets. Long those those names seem to grow every year. Unfortunately, yes. Um, so you were you in Michigan studying? Yes, I study um, uh, music composition. I finished my doctorate in music uh, there in, in University of Michigan in, in Ann Arbor. Did you study with Michael Darty? I did. It was my teacher along ah, with Evan Chambers, okay, um, Kristen Custer, and Wright Shane. You know, we all can kind of study with everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I mention M- Michael Darty is because he is a classically trained composer mm-hmm. who has this side to his music that is very American, very accessible. You know, pieces about Elvis and mm-hmm. uh, you know all sure. kinds of crazy stuff. And then there's also the more abstract side of his music, and you do have that side. Sure. Uh, this earlier this summer, we were together at the Ojai Festival, n- north and west of LA, and you presented your four-part series called Between Worlds, which is four solo violin, viola, cello, bass Correct. pieces, and that seems to be a little more of that abstract, th- theoretical side of things. Yeah, and it's, and it's actually on this album together, and again, it shows a different side of me, um, the study. And it, the piece is really inspired by the work of uh, the visual artist Bill Trailer, who was a self-taught artist. You know, he born enslaved, born enslaved. You know, but he died in in uh, in the fifties, I believe. So he lived lived a very very long life and saw so many different sides of America. You know, you saw the end of slavery, saw mm-hmm. Reconstruction, and saw you know, Jim Crow and Great Migration, you know, just imagine what he would have seen. And you can actually see it in his work. Right. Um, And I was drawn to that. And so I created these works to, um, inspired by his life, but also the visual art that he created. So on the record um, together, uh, it's the cello version. It's the cello piece Correct. from Between Worlds, uh, which Seth Parker Woods plays. Um, 
What else? I mean, there's a piece on the record called Loop, in which uh, we hear you not as composer, not as performer, but as conductor, uh, leading a kind of small string ensemble, right? Yeah, and that one, that piece, as well as Angels in Heaven, um, which is the string orchestra, which features Will Lieberman too. Yeah, I mean, that piece is, I wrote it, it's one of my pandemic babies. Um, ah. it's, it's Technically, it's a string trio. Okay. Um, and we, it, the New York Philharmonic commissioned it because they were doing um, the, the bandwagon series where they're going to all five boroughs of the city and taking four musicians, if you will. And, right, right. Um, and, and they asked me to write a piece that would be played on the street. On the back know, of a flatbed truck, right? On a right? flatbed, that's right. played in all five boroughs and you know the one prompt they gave me was like it has to fit outside you know I have to compete <laughs> with sirens and people walking by having conversations you know so I had to think about you know what does it mean to be a street musician you know to actually work on the street and and to like play on the street with people not actually not nestling but that's that was one of the things the challenge you know yeah. to think about that because you know in classical music is like you sit down and you listen intently and um, and but that's not always the case. Yeah, have you ever busked out on the street? I I've done. I played um, in my graduate school days. I actually played in bars. Yeah, you know, and you know, people are halfway listening and right. Same know. thing. You're in an, a, a, an exactly. environment that is not mm -hmm. there just for music. Sure, there's other stuff happening. Sure, you know, I did it. Played, I make money, of course. You know, yeah. <laughs> playing yeah. cocktail piano music. Uh, and actually, that's how I got my first gig working with um, the singer-songwriter and soul singer Angie Stone. And I, so I played with her for three years and toured with her. Her manager we actually. He came into the that the cocktail bar when um, one day and heard me playing and said, "Hey, Angie Stone is listening, looking for a, a pianist, a keyboardist." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, whatever." <laughs> <laughs> you know, you get people to come in and then they, you know, sell dreams all the time. But you know, he called the next day and set up an audition, and I got the gig. playing with her for three years so but and I learned so much from that you know you just never know who's listening that's the whole point of it so a star was born <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that <laughs> okay um so this next piece you're going to do for us called traveling song um is this a sort of autobiographical piece or is this you know, is there a specific moment in your life this refers to? Sure, it's very personal. You know, my grandmother, she really instilled the love of hymns uh, and, and me. And, and, you know, one of the things she would often do when she came to visit from D.C., um, she would get a hymn book and she'd say, okay, Carlos, go to the piano. And she said, okay, go turn to 574. Great is thy faithfulness. Play it. And then I'll play it and she'd sing it. And it's okay, turn to 373. Blessed assurance, you know, and we she would go for we would just go back and forth for about a couple hours. Wow! And um, one of the, her favorite hymns was uh, "When He Calls Me, I Will Answer," and um, 
that was one song she always asked for, and I I learned it. And when you know she was, she got older in age. She was you know suffered from dementia, mm. and so she gradually sort of you know didn't know who I was, and it was it's a very hard you know struggle process. Uh, and and the doctors were saying at at one point you know she was trans making her transition to death, and you know and I thought about this hymn. You know, and when he calls me, I will answer. And then the rest of the words, I'll be somewhere working for my Lord. And so I, I thought, man, let's, it's like traveling music. You know, let's, I want to, so I recorded me playing the hymn, you know, and we played it for her in the hospital as she was transitioning, making her transition. And um, it made sense for me to include this in the album because, you know, my love for hymns, my love for music is really dedicated to her. Yeah. So that that hymn is at the root of this piece. Correct. All right. Let's hear it. Traveling Song is the name of the work from my guest Carlos Simon, live at our piano. Thank you. 
That's Traveling Song by Carlos Simon. It's interesting, you were saying before how, you know, in my family, it was always, it, we only listened to hymns. Maybe we could slip a little jazz in there. That's almost exactly what we just, I mean, <laughs> towards the end there, there's that little run down the lower end of the keyboard. It's like, sure, there's, sure. there's that jazz slipping in. Sure, sure. So uh, who, who were the jazz figures that, you know, caught your, caught your ear and turned your head? Oh, so many. Wooden Marcellus, you know. My mom, she actually plays trombone. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So we, we uh, she would play trombone in church too. What, what, now what, what church? Uh, what denomination? So this church? is Pentecostal church, so Apostolic Pentecostal, and actually, you know, you, this tradition of of uh, trombones. It's not, you know, classical, very straight ahead. It's, it's very wide vibrato sound. Um, there's do, a, there's do you know the United House of Prayer? Of course, I was just about to say the United House of Prayer, which are big in Washington D.C. and then in the South. You know, so you think of that sound. Yeah. You know, that's the way she would play. Wow, um, that but, is a great sound. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but you know, I hear that all the time, and and um, hearing that in my music, and, and I put it in my music, and it's, it becomes a very much part of who I am as a composer and as mm -hmm. a musician. Many years ago, um, uh, when the Dalai Lama was doing his World Festival of Sacred Music in different places around the world, he asked uh, Philip Glass to do the New York edition, and Philip asked me to co-produce it with him. And I booked the Trombone Shout Band mm. from the United House of Prayer in mm -hmm. Harlem, wow. McCulloch Sons of Thunder. Sure. And this line of like older guys with their trombones. Mm -hmm. and I was just like, you know, playing in perfect unison, but also like smearing the notes. I was just yeah. like, I mean, it was a religious experience. Sure, sure. <laughs> Yeah, well, there, it's it's a big thing in Washington D.C. and actually the headquarters is there in D.C. And uh, this summer, I actually got to experience a service, and um, it's, it's actually it's a completely different. And you talk about spiritual. Oh yeah. man, it's like the, the bands are there are two bands on one side, and then of course the congregation is there. You know that, and, and you know, they let me come in. I suppose I had a front row seat to everything, and it, it was incredible to experience that. It's such a huge cultural moment you know yeah. you don't realize how much how you know this type of music this style is a part of American music right um, you know it's it's deeply embedded into our culture and to experience that live was so eye-opening and life-changing so uh, you're in D.C. a lot, I guess, as composer in residence at the Kennedy Center. Of what is the current season looking like for you? Oh, it's busy. It's busy. I have a concerto for orchestra that I wrote for the National Symphony, uh, Washington National Opera, and, uh, of course, education. Mm. You know, so I, walk, I work across the departments at the Kennedy Center. Right. Well, a busy season ahead for my guest, Carlos Simon, but uh, 
Right now, there are two new releases, the orchestral piece Breath with the Minnesota Orchestra and then the smaller ensembles on the record together featuring Carlos himself at the piano. And he's been at our piano today. Great to see you again, and congratulations on all this great stuff. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And thanks to our uh, technical director, Irene Trudell, and our producer, Karen Havlick, who also shot video of today's performances. And our video editor is Eric Weber. I'm John Schaefer. You can keep up with everything we're doing on New Sounds by subscribing to our free weekly newsletter. Text New Sounds to 70101 or uh, sign up on the website at newsounds.org.